Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. I am not speaking today. I am here today though. And after a long series in Philippians and I'm doing the gospel of John, um, I needed a breather. You ever, you ever ran before and you're like, man, I just need to take a break. Um, I needed a breather this week for our next series coming up that starts next week. So what we have for you is Pastor Keith. He is our connections pastor. And um, I'm going to tell you something. He is the best staff member I've ever worked with at a church. Uh, he is. I'm telling you, the best staff member I've ever worked with at a church. He's positive, shows initiative, follows through, Right? He's high impact, low maintenance. I'm telling you something, guys. He is really what keeps this engine moving here at Thrive Church. A lot of that management you keep emailing me about, you guys are like, hey, can you do this? I'm like, I don't do that anymore. Some of y'all even got that too. Can you do this for me? I don't handle it. That's not what I do. And I send you to Pastor Keith. Thank you guys so much for welcoming him and his wife. Come on up, man. Um, and today, he's going to share the word of God with you. Has a great word for you. So if you will... Thank you for giving him a a clap there. We appreciate you, man. We love you. And thank you for all that you do here. Thank you, brother. You know, it's kind of awkward when you're standing there in the wings and the shadows as someone is talking about how awesome you are. And you kind of have to decide what are you going to do? You know, are you going to like, yes, I am that great. Yes. Or you're going to do the normal Christian thing. You're like, no, no, no. It's It's all Jesus. So it, it is very humbling. I am excited to get to speak today. Um, I did have a 30-minute tutorial with how to manage this thing. Um, if you were here for the first time I spoke uh, back in May, I'm sorry. Because it was, it was a great message, but it was a horrible execution as I was doing this the entire time. I felt like, uh, almost like the Sham Wow guy, if you remember him. I felt, I felt like, Sham Wow! Um, but anyways, so today I am excited to be here. I'm excited to get to preach today. Um, it's, it's always an honor when Pastor Kevin says, hey, will you speak on such and such date? And at first I'm like, mm, let me make up something that I have to do that day so I don't get to speak that day. But I really do enjoy it. I really do love it. Um, so we're going to go ahead and jump straight into it and get to work this morning. Uh, if you would, turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Uh, and they are going to throw it up on the screen for you. And the irony of this, I didn't plan this, uh, it's actually the book that's right after Philippians. So we just spent weeks in Philippians. So if you've got like, your marker there, just move over a book and you're there. Okay, chapter 2, verse 6. And I've got this issue, as you're turning there, um, with being a Christian. And it's actually being a Christian. I don't know about you, you are probably some of the most holy people I've ever met in my life. But I go through these, these bouts where I kind of question myself. I ask myself, am I, am I really a Christian? You know, am I really living up to these standards? And I start to compare myself to scripture and then I fall into the trap and I start comparing myself to other followers, other Christians. And try to see if my life lines up with their life. And that's a trap because in the comparing game, you lose. Every time. Because you're always trying to compare yourself to someone that you think is better than you. So the best thing to do is compare yourself to the Word of God and see, it, it, am I really being this? And I don't mean at church. I don't mean here. Any, everyone's a great Christian at church. Because you're nice. You don't cuss nobody out. You don't cut them off in the parking lot. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you're coming in, but then you get saved during service. And then your grace says you uh, exit. You let people go in front of you and all that fun stuff. But I mean at home. 
Or when I'm at the house, when I'm having good days, when I'm having bad days, am I really uh, the man of God that I'm supposed to be? Am I really the father, the husband that I'm supposed to be? And today we're going to talk about something that uh, that was a, I guess, like a mystery to me growing up. Because I grew up in church, but the church that I grew up in was more based off of your works. That a Christian is someone that does more good than bad. Not just a lot of bad, but just more good than bad. And I learned that they didn't, I guess they just didn't read scripture and live based off that we're saved by grace, not our works. And today we're going to talk about living in Christ. What does it truly mean to live in Jesus? So let's read there in Colossians 2 and we're going to read verses 6 and 7. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, And overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray. Father, today we celebrate you. God, for what you are doing in us. God, what you're doing through us and what you're doing around us. Father, it's it's such a glorious time that we can come together and just worship you corporately and dig into your word. And God, let this truth just saturate us. And Father, I pray today that this truth is is communicated. I pray that God awakens within, within us. That God, it's not something that goes in one ear and out the other. Not something that we just say, that was a great message. But it's something that transforms us to be who you created us to be. Father, guide us by your Holy Spirit that we may bring glory to your name in every area of our life. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. As we see there, uh, this is Paul. Again, we're talking about Paul. I guess it's like the summer of Paul. Um, so, but what we have here in verse 6, he's writing to a church. This is not to us. This is a letter he's writing to another church. And in verse 6, I love it. It says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. So he's talking to people that have accepted Christ as Lord. He's talking to Christians. It says, continue to live in him. The word continue there means that it's not something to start. It's something that's already happening. Paul is encouraging, continue doing what you're doing. Continue living in him. And I got to say, growing up, I heard this phrase for years saying, live in him, live in Jesus. And I had no idea what it meant. I thought, you know, I just thought it meant that you just kind of, you know, you you were a good Christian. That was it. But I love Paul because here in verse 7, he tells us what that means. He tells us what it actually means to live in Christ. And that's what we're going to walk through today. So if you got your talk notes, hopefully uh, they hand them to you as you came in, that you didn't kind of slide in. Um, If not, look with your neighbor. But the first blank there is take root. There in verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in him. And Jesus has to be our foundation. From, and, and when you look at construction, when you build buildings, I know we've got a few here that work in construction. Um, the most important thing is the foundation. Because you see, without the foundation, the structure can't stand. It can't support itself. It kind of collapses in on itself. And not only that, but it can't, it can't hold up against resistance. When the storms come, when the rain comes, it will just collapse. Um, I, I'm always reminded with the, with the story of the three little pigs. You've got the one that built his house of straw, which is very dumb. Um, I mean, the wolf didn't have to do anything. He probably just had to just, you know, kick it and it fell over. And then you have the next one building his house of sticks. Again, not structurally um, wise. Because again, he just knocked it right over. Then he gets to the third pig's house and it's made of brick and mortar. Um, I, I always, when I was a kid, I always envisioned the wolf 
It's like the cartoon wolf that would whistle at the ladies. Just, 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 I'm, I'm, hey, I'm real. Um, and I just, I just picture him just, just huffing and just, just, and just, just bracing himself. You know, if you, if you've ever done like any like deep diving, I know I got a friend that does. You have to like, like take a lot of, a lot of deep breaths and get used to not breathing a lot. So I picture him doing something like this and just going. And just get bigger and bigger, and then he just and he just blows so much oxygen at this at this structure that his eyes bulge out, but nothing happens. And it's because the structure was built the way it should be, with a sure foundation, with brick and mortar, not with sticks, not with hay. And that's how we have to build our life. In John fifteen five, Jesus says, "I am the vine; you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me." You can do nothing. Our source for being able to to live in Christ is directly related to how we build our lives. Jesus said again in Matthew 7, those that hear his words are like one that builds his house on a rock, a sure foundation. And and I remember uh, growing up, story time with Keith, um, years ago I lived in Georgia and I worked for a company called SurfPro. Uh, There's actually a thriver here that works for SurfPro, so... Holler at you. Um, but I didn't just work there and they cleaned carpets and did all this weird, wacky stuff with uh, mold. And, but I was the gopher guy. I did anything that the boss wanted me to do. His name was Don, Don Collins. And when there was nothing to do at the shop, he would make me go to his house. And at his house, there was a lawnmower. And at his house was a yard the size of our property. Um, and I would get on this lawnmower, and it was a zero turn. And I remember the first time I got on, never touched one of these things. And I told him, I said, hey, I've never driven one. He's like, it's okay, just try it out. Um, if you've ever seen anyone ride a bull in a rodeo, this is what I look like. Um, because he didn't tell me there was, it, it just, it didn't go right, and the, the left would do something stupid. And so anyways, it was hilarious for him and tragic for me. But I, I remember one day, we had to go to his house, and his wife wanted him to move a tree from one side of the house to the other side of the house. In my mind, I'm like, that's, that's, that's pointless. That's just silly. What I found out, the reasoning behind it was the tree wasn't getting the nutrients it needed. Where it was positioned at, it wasn't getting enough sunlight, wasn't getting enough water. All the water ran to the other side of the house. So they moved the tree to where it would get more sunlight and more water. And so we sat there for hours digging around the root system of this tree hours. Eventually, I just kind of gave up and I just acted like I was working. I was so tired. Um, And we actually had to get a backhoe, wrap it around this tree to pull it out. And it's not a big tree. It might be as tall as that tree light stand, maybe 12, 15 feet high. Not huge, not like a pine tree. And it took all this work. And it's not because of the tree, it's because of its roots. Because its roots were so deep and so grounded in the soil that we had to use so much force to pull it out. And we put it into the new spot that we dug out and made real pretty. We put the tree in, covered it up, and to my knowledge, it never died. For us, that has to be our lives. We must be rooted in Christ, in our time, in our resources. Because any, anyone can come to church once or twice a week. That's easy. But what do you do with the rest of our week? What do we do when we have nothing else to do? What do we spend our time doing when we have nothing else to do? Do we sit around like me watching Netflix? I found out two of my favorite shows just added a new season to Netflix. So I've had to monitor myself to make sure I don't get um, going on a Netflix binge. It's, it's sad and pathetic. But our lives must be rooted in Jesus, in his word. 
And not so much that you just read it and think, that's nice. But you apply it to your life. That you let it actually take root within you. That as you begin to dig deeper into the Word of God, your root system will begin to grow. Because you see, when I got saved, I was a freshman in high school. And I was on fire. And I was reading the Bible. I was like speed reading this thing. Um, And then a friend of mine that I went to church with said, hey, let's go hang out at so-and-so's house. And within a matter of days was when I started doing drugs. And it wasn't because of, of the fact that I had a bad influence. It was a guy that I thought had great influence on my life. That he's like, man, you know what? He's, he's a great man of God. I'll hang out with him. And that's kind of what happened. When we first get saved, when you first start to um, walk with Christ, you're like that tree that we transplanted with the root system. It's got to sink in. It's got to dig deep. It's got to make a foundation. That's why it's so easy for us when we first get saved to go back to the way we were living. Because we just, you know, our roots aren't deep enough. And that's why, like me, I sped read this thing. That's why I hear with Pastor Kevin, when he first got saved, he was, he was reading the Bible nonstop. He was digging his roots deeper. He was taking root so that he could have a sure foundation in Jesus. So that when the storms came, when life happened, he wouldn't be knocked over. And that's the the thing. We've got to live. We have to take root and live in Christ. He must be our foundation. Because it says, just like he said in John 15, 5. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, that's the key is that it's it's not so much that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to always be with you, um, relentlessly pursuing you. But the question is, is, are we pursuing him? Are we pursuing him in his word? Are we pursuing him in our time and in our resources? So for us to live in Christ, the first thing we've got to do above anything else, we've got to take root. The second thing we have there in uh, verse 7, it says, And strengthen in the faith that you were taught. So the second blank is grow in faith. Grow in faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, when I first read this passage in chapter 7, it says, strengthening the faith that you were taught, I kind of got confused. I was like, what in the world are you talking about, Paul? Um, How am I strengthened in my faith? What does that really mean? Because faith is you trusting God for things you don't know about. For that bill that you don't know is going to happen. This past uh, Friday, as a matter of fact, Lauren was eating her lunch, got into her car at the parking lot, and went to go back to work, and she turned the key... And it didn't crank. It just click, 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 click. I can't make the noise. Don't, 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 don't hold it against me. And thank you. Thank you, Chris. And what happened is, is uh, we need a new battery. So it, it was something that we did not see. We did not foresee us needing a new battery. But yes, God provided us to be able to get a battery. I'm not saying it was in the back seat or we just found it on the road. It wasn't a miraculous thing. It's just a chain of events. We actually got the battery. We, it's not like we had to take out a loan to get the battery, though they are somewhat expensive. But it's in, it's in moments like that and things that, and you could tell me stories of how there were moments where you were just having to rely solely on faith for God to provide, for God to move. And it's in those moments of waiting that will stretch us, that will grow us. In uh, John, I'm not John, but in Joshua, the book of Joshua. See, Joshua was the individual that took the Israelites into the promised land. Moses did not. 
Um, he, he, they were all the Israelites that were in slavery in Egypt. God sent Moses. God, through Moses, pulled them out. And then because of a mishap with Moses, Moses couldn't go into the promised land. So then Joshua takes over when Moses dies. And then they enter the promised land. And they're told to, as they're crossing over that, uh, the head of each family, there were 12 families, 12 tribes. Each of them had to get a rock. And on the other side, they had to make this memorial of all these this 12 stones. In my head, that's just silly. But the purpose in them were that so years later, when these kids of these individuals that crossed over, when they walked by these pile of rocks, like, Dad, that is the dumbest thing. Why is there a pile of rocks here? That's just taking up space. This is dumb. See, son, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how he brought us out of slavery. Let me tell you how he provided for us in the desert. Let me tell you how he crossed over us into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. See, it's in those moments, in that moment of remembrance for the father and the story for the son, that their faith is grown and stretched. You see, as we pursue Jesus, as we follow him, as we study his word, we're going to grow. Our root system will dig deeper because we're going to read and see stories of how God provided when there was no other way. You're going to live life and share life, but that's why I love community groups as you share life. You're going to hear stories of how God moved in someone's life, and it's going to grow your faith. You're going to be in your personal life. You're going to see God do miraculous things, and it's going to grow your faith. So for you to live in Christ, it's not enough just for you to come to church and read your Bible and have a, you know, to take root, but you have to grow. And you grow through experience. You grow through actually having a relationship with Jesus and not just a religion that you are a part of. So as we take time, we read, we'll take root, and we'll grow in our faith. The third thing, and this, this is the hardest one for me, okay? I'm just going to be real with you. I'm very, I'm, I'm more of a pessimist than anything. Um, I'm not very optimistic. I'm very analytical. I look, uh, one, I've heard it put one point, I put, I look at things linear. And I see A plus, you know, A plus B equals C. Um, and if it doesn't equal C, why? And then I get angry and frustrated. So, the third thing is overflow with thankfulness. I'm cool with thankfulness. I'm cool with being thankful. It's that overflow part. That, that's the part, because see, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all, see that all circumstances part, I mean, that's what gets me. That's what drives me up the tree. That's what makes me pull out my hair. Because it's, it's easy to be thankful in the good times. It's easy to be thankful. Hey, I got the raise. Yay, I'm thankful. Hey, we, 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 we got a new car. Yay, I'm thankful. Hey, my kids didn't fail out of school this semester. Yay, I'm thankful. But it's in the bad times. It's in the hard times. You know, I'm pretty sure, um, or at least I know for myself, Friday when the car would not start because of the battery being dead, um, I was not very thankful. I was actually very upset. Why? Because the car won't crank. Did you know that if, did you know if the car can't crank, did you know you can't drive it? Did you know it just has to sit there? I, we found that out. It wasn't that great. But being thankful when things are going bad. That's what the hard thing is. For me growing up, um, my parents, they were kind of uh, fickle <laughs> with their, uh, their relationship. And for them, they, they would uh, separate and get back together, separate and get back together. And finally, when I was a sophomore in high school, they finally decided just to get a divorce. I was not thankful. 
when I found this out. When I found out that what I thought was okay was not, it didn't make me want to shout for joy. And the big thing is, so how? how? How in the world can I be thankful when things are bad? This is why I love the way Paul wrote this, is because it's, it's not so much just a do this, this, and this. It's do this, then do this, and then do this. It's, it displays an outcome. Because as we're taking root, as we're digging into the Word of God, as we're digging our root system deeper to have a sure foundation in Him, we're obviously going to grow in faith. And as we take root, as we grow in faith... It's going to be just a natural outcome to overflow with thankfulness. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. That when times get rough, when times get bad, it's okay because it's not about me. Because he is my provider. He is my protector. As long as I'm following and and living a life according to him, everything will eventually be okay. Not perfect. Because you see, overflowing with thankfulness, it doesn't fix the issue. It just changes your perspective. It makes you look at the situation in a completely new light. Because it's, it's not just a bad scenario, it's, it's actually an opportunity for God to move. Um, and maybe he doesn't move the way you want him to. Maybe it doesn't happen like the fairy tale and we all live happily ever after. But through the situation, I guarantee you, God will stretch you. God will strengthen you and God will grow you. In conclusion, I love Psalms chapter 1. I love it when a book, you know, when you first open it and you hope, man, I hope this book is okay. I hope this, this book is a good book. And within the first couple of pages, you're like, yes, I'm glad I read this book. Or watching a movie. My dad, um, we can edit this out. My dad's like a pirate. Uh, he, does net, he did Netflix and he would uh, download the movies illegally. Um, he, yeah. So he had this motto called rip it or ship it. Where he would take the DVD and either rip it and make himself his own illegal copy, which I do not um, tell you to do because that's illegal. And I don't do that. And I I seriously do not do that. That's stupid. (laughs) But when he starts a movie, he doesn't finish it at first. He gives it 15, 20 minutes. And in that time, if he likes it, he'll make his own copy and then mail it back. In Psalms, it does that to me. The first portion, the first three verses rock my world. And I stand on it. I use it as a foundation for my life. And this is what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Now, me being real, I have done every single one of these things. So when I first read this, I'm like, mm, that means I'm not blessed. And by blessed, I don't mean you're like overly rich and, nah, I'm crazy. No, it, it just means that um, God is using you and you have a joyous life and you feel complete and whole. And verse 2 says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. It's amazing that if you, there are movies that me and Lauren love to watch that we have memorized portions in our head. Um, you'll see a movie and you and your friends will go back and forth and say, remember that scene? Or you'll say something as an inside joke to them and they'll laugh at you. Or you'll listen to your favorite band and you'll listen to their whole album 17 times because you just can't get enough and you've memorized it. And as you've memorized it, it's something that is now inside of you. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. For us to be able to truly live in Christ, for us to be able to take root, for us to uh, grow in faith, for us to be overflowing with thankfulness, 
We've got to take this right here and it's got to become us. Not just a book, not just guidelines, but us. That, as it says in James, that I'm not just a, a listener or a reader, but I'm a doer also. I take the scripture of what I've just preached, me, myself, not you, this is up to you. But I apply it to my life and I let it change me. I let it change the way I see things. I let it change the way I do things, the way I even think about things. That's the part of the taking root, growing faith, overflow of thankfulness. It says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Fun fact, I took horticulture in high school. You wouldn't guess it, but I did. And if you saw me when I took it, you definitely wouldn't think I took it. I found out the flowers, the face of a flower, will actually turn itself to face sunlight. That's creepy. I'm not going to lie. So in the same way, the root system of every plant, whether it's a tree or a piece of grass, its root system will grow and move searching for moisture, searching for nourishment. You see, any plant needs three things to grow. It needs sunlight, it needs oxygen, uh, and it needs uh, um, um, uh, water. And it says here that those who meditate on his law day and night, this person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Because you see... That's the best kind of tree. Because it doesn't really have to go very far to find its nourishment. Its root system will grow and position itself so it's constantly growing, constantly being nourished. Because the next portion of this verse says, the streams planted by the streams of water, which yields fruit in season. See, what you put your roots in will produce something inside of you and into your life. You know, I heard it said, you know, you only have as much drama in your life as you allow. When I heard that, I began to cut drama out of my life. Because I ain't got time for shenanigans. And whose leaf does not wither. And it doesn't wither because the tree is planted by the water. It's planted by its source of life. You see... For us, none of us are trees. If you are a tree, you're the most amazing, miraculous tree in the world, and we're going to make millions off of you. But we're people. You know, of course, we got to eat, we got to drink water and all that fun stuff. But you see, Christ is the living water. He says that those who drink from me will never thirst again, which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does will prosper. This is where we're at. We have to make this decision today of whether we're going to, as I said earlier, be the tree that's kind of positioned on this wrong side of the house, doesn't really get a lot of moisture, doesn't really get a lot of sunlight. It's kind of growing, but it's kind of dead. And we kind of need to move ourselves to where the nourishment is as a tree that's planted by the streams of water, continuously being nourished, continuously growing and becoming who God created us to be. Every single one of us has a purpose. None of us are an accident. No matter what anyone told you your entire life, I don't care. God purposed you for something great for his kingdom. To declare his glory among all nations, as it says. So this morning, if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes.